Hello, Tom here. The Berkshire Football Stories podcast has got a new sponsor. Exciting, huh? That doesn't mean that we've got new kit, though. The club secretary has made us print it over the top of last season's shirt sponsor. He reckons it'll stretch to at least another year. He mumbled something about those footballs we keep kicking over the fence, not paying for themselves. Our new sponsor? Oh, that would be MRS Digital, an award-winning digital marketing agency offering affordable social media, pay-per-click and search engine optimization to help local businesses thrive since 1999. To find out more, visit mrs.digital and tell them we sent you. Uh, hello and welcome to the Berkshire Football Stories podcast with me, Tom Canning, and him, Rob Davis. This is our pub, but not in a pub chat podcast we're doing daily to try and keep ourselves and all of you busy during the lockdown. Although since we started this, the, the stuff has started to be eased. Um, I think, Rob, this, we were working this out last night. This is about episode 45, um, I think. Um, so you can see more podcasts from us by searching football, sorry, Berkshire Football Stories on your favourite podcast app. You can also follow us on Twitter at FI Berkshire and find out more at www.footballinberkshire.co.uk. Um, today is uh, a fella I've been trying to to kind of get a hold of and get in contact with. Um, this, and this isn't his fault. It's not that he's not replied to me. I just had no way of getting in contact with him. Um, it is Crystal Palace CEO, Phil Alexander, who joins us uh, on our Zoom chat. Hello, Phil. Hi Tom. Hi Rob. How are you doing? All very well, very well. And um, Phil, now obviously you, you're quite busy, so thank you for joining us. There's a little matter of the Premier League getting started again. Um, is that an incredibly busy time for you at the moment? What's the what's the processes you're going through right now? Yeah, it's, it, <clears throat> it is busy in, in different ways. Um, obviously, for, uh, since since the lockdown, it's been it's been tricky with regards to understanding the impacts on the business, making sure that we can protect the business going forward as best we possibly can. And uh, whilst we haven't, haven't, we're not able to get fans into the ground, obviously the games are starting next week, which we're really looking forward to. I mean, the, the primary focus of that was trying to protect the broadcast revenue, whilst obviously keeping everyone safe and healthy at the same time. So all the various stakeholders involved have been and included in the process and the programme, the players, the management, the, uh, the coaching staff, um, everyone's been across it, trying to get this thing away, and uh, really looking forward to getting the game started next week. And, and a lot of that, in, lot from, in terms of my role, is, is basically communicating with the Premier League, making sure that um, our crew, our staff, are, are very much across all the implications of getting games going and what they have to do in terms of um, medical protocols, match protocols, and just communicating that across um, everybody. Uh, and obviously making sure that our staff are kept in the loop as best they can, understanding what's going on, what they can, what they can't do, uh, in terms of getting back into the stadium, um, is concerned in terms of offices, or indeed how they can operate uh, safely in, within the stadium environment during the whole programme. So it's been a fairly busy period and uh, um, you know, thankfully, it looks like we're sort of baby steps. We're coming out the other side of it. Well, obviously, um, people will know that uh, you, like you say, you're going back next weekend without fans going into crowds. Uh, but what other sort of measures uh, are you having to take to ensure that the uh, games are okay to go ahead? Well, primarily, it's around the protection of the players, making sure that they're safe and healthy. So the protocols are put into place to make sure that. Um, 
we keep them <clears throat> as 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 um, as safe as they possibly can whilst they've been going through the whole step one as the government processes. The government's put in a five-step program. Step one and step two was basically about getting back to training, making sure the players were tested, making sure that the, um, the environment they were in was safe. Uh, right away from this, from the point where they enter the training ground to the point where they leave the training ground, uh, and where the ability to answer any questions they may or may not have, um, making sure that maybe making sure really that, that they understand all the implications of what COVID offers and understand exactly what we're doing to make sure that they're safe. Um, so step one and step two is training. Step three is back to training, back to games. I'm sorry, behind closed doors. Step four is back to is games behind closed doors closed behind closed doors but with an international element i.e champions league and step five the final step is going to be back to playing games with fans so we're just starting <clears throat> we're on on step three at the moment um and a huge amount of work's gone on the premier league have done a super job in in, in, in protecting and in informing and um you know we're just really looking forward to getting getting it going again now obviously everybody sort of tuning into our podcast knows that this is a this is a podcast about Berkshire I, I think we, we can't have uh, the CEO of Crystal Palace on without asking him a little bit about what's going on in the, in the wider world but the point of this is to talk Phil about your kind of your your playing career your time uh, as within Berkshire and how uh, and how that went I wanted to just first just kind of bring to your attention I know we talked about this before we started but um, you personally are almost in I was gonna say indirectly but I think actually it's directly responsible for my interest in non-league football and um, starting to support Bracknell Town as a, as a football club when I when we when I was a kid and and the story basically goes that my best friend at the time uh, was his dad was a Swindon fan went to a couple of Swindon games and um, my dad had absolutely no interest in football whatsoever but spotted in the local paper that uh, Swindon Town were coming to play Bracknell Town in a pre-season friendly and Rob has since done a little bit of research and has since reminded me that actually that was the Swindon Town team that were about to embark on a first Premier League campaign. So Phil my, I guess my question is before we sort of start on your career how on earth did that come about? Oh goodness <clears throat> so um, I became I suppose where do I start the story? Um, my, my, I'm a Berkshire boy and um, I grew up uh, being a Reading fan and still am to, to a certain extent. I was on, on the books of Reading as a, as a schoolboy um, and I was with Reading, played for their, their reserves through 15, 16, 17 year old. And, <clears throat> and also I've had an opportunity to play for Wokingham uh, in a non-league scenario. Uh, so I was about sort of 17, 18 and um, Wokingham at the time played at Finch Hampstead Road and um, they had a pretty decent side, a different club to it is now. Um, and and um, so I decided to, 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 um, to leave Reading uh, and play for Wokenham on a Saturday. I was basically stuck, I had an opportunity to stay on at Reading as, as, an, as an apprentice. And I remember Morris Evans giving me the opportunity, but decided to stay on at school at the time, which one or two people thought I was mad, but my, my dad was quite insistent that I did that. Um, so I did. And, and I played um, for Wokingham on a, on a Saturday and it was senior non-league football um, and loved it, absolutely loved it. And then <clears throat> uh, whilst I was still at school, I, I was fortunate enough to be chosen for England schoolboys. Um, we, um, I was in the lower sixth then, I'm not sure what year that is, relates to now, but lower sixth. We, I played for England, made my debut for England um, and then played for under, England under-19 schoolboys again in the upper sixth and I was fortunate enough to be captain of England at that stage which was a real honour um, we got the caps to prove it which is which is lovely 
And then we played one game at Norwich, Carrow Road, and uh, we played Wales, and um, we won 3-2. I scored a goal and played quite well. And um, the manager at the time, Ken Brown, um, approached me and asked me to, um, to come up for some trials, which I did. And uh, I ended up signing for Norwich as a professional from um, once I left school, once I did my A-levels. So I got there in the end, um, even if it wasn't regretting. So I had a couple of, couple of really good years um, at Norwich. But um, at the end of that period, they decided it wasn't going to work out. Um, they wanted to release me. I had a couple of <clears throat> opportunities to go and play for different clubs. But there was one interest, interesting opportunity to go over and play in, um, in New Zealand, funny enough. And they wanted me like, to play the following weekend. Uh, so it was in the March, I remember. So the Yarkomala, I quite fancy this. And it was part-time, but I went across to New Zealand, loved it. Um, played over there for about six months. They wanted me to come back. We came back to England, played for Wokingham for another season. And then went back to New Zealand the following March um, and stayed there for a couple of years, which I enjoyed and, and loved and made some really good friends and um, um, are still, still in contact now, which is fantastic. So I came back and then I played for Wokingham again um, through till I was about 28, 29. So it's the late 80s, really. And then um, I had an opportunity, bizarrely, to play American football. Yeah. <clears throat> so I played... A friend of mine played this for, for Farnham Knights, actually, and, and he's a very, very amateur sort of, um, sort of scene. He said, look, you can kick a ball, come down and give it a go. <laughs> I resisted for a while, but I, I did it and um, quite enjoyed it. I had no idea what was going on other than the fact that, you know, to kick the ball, I'd learn, coach myself really how to do it. And uh, there's a chap there called Steve Raines, who was a coach, and uh, he really encouraged me because he thought I had a bit of potential. Um, so I did that for a little while and quite enjoyed it. Anyway some trials came up for a new league that was coming up. It was NFL owned and um, uh, went to the trials and um, the um, fortunate fort enough to get, to get, um, to get offered a contract. So he went out to the States, came back and I was drafted to the London Monarchs. Um, so it was brilliant. And um, <laughs> so that was, that was kind of 90, 1990 time, back back in the 1990, early 91. And, um, as you know, the Monarchs went on and, and we played at Wembley and I was fortunate enough to play at Wembley a dozen times, which was brilliant. And uh, we won the World Bowl in 1991, so which was a, which was a wonderful experience in front of 70,000 people at Wembley. So I uh, did that, and, but then the World League decided to, after two years, it folded because it really wasn't working commercially. Um, so I had to get a proper job. <laughs> um, so uh, I then came back, I came out of that and I thought, what am I gonna do? And I've always, I've always wanted to be involved in football. The administration side, commercial side, and um, after uh, a summer of maybe trying to play a little bit more, because I was probably 29, 30, um, uh, an opportunity to came up. The, the Bracknell manager, the Bracknell Town, were going through a really, really bad time, and um, um, I said to a pal of mine, Nick, Nick Collier, who yeah. was the same age as, as I was, and uh, said, "Come on, Nick, let's go and do this for a bit of a giggle." Um, I said, I really want to give this a go. And he said, well, there's no, got no players, got no money. What, you know, what, what's your thinking? I said, well, it's just, it's just great. It's just experience. We can make something happen here. And um, I'll tell a funny story, actually. Nick, if Nick listens to this, he'll, he'll probably kick me. But we went, Lisa, we had to go to an interview. Um, uh, I remember it was on dark Tuesday night until there's this committee at Bracknell. And we sat in the car outside. And uh, I said, come on, Nick's going. And he went, no, I'm not going to go. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, no, I'm chickening out. I don't want to do it. Um, I said, what do you mean you don't want to do it? We've been talking about this last two weeks. Come on, let's So he goes, no, I don't want to do it. So I went around the car, dragged him out of the car, said, come on, you're coming in with me. I dragged him in there, 
he was like, no, I don't want it. I said, come on, Nick. You're not, you know, I dragged him in there into the interview. And um, he'll kick me for saying that, but it was a true story. Anyway, we got the job. And um, suddenly we're, we're, we're now a sort of 29, 30-year-olds in charge of a, of a, of a team. I said, yeah. I'll, I'll run all the commercial side. I'll do everything. There's no money. The guys were very clear on that. And um, it was a, a position where we had to, to, to beg, borrow and steal and do what we can. So I recruited, really, a lot of my old pals from Wokingham. And uh, we got a, got a team together. We literally had no players. Um, it was around about the October. So a couple of months into the season, and none of the players were, were hanging around that were already started the year. And the team was bottom of the league, rock yeah. bottom of the league. So um, anyway, we went to, uh, I think our second or maybe third game in, we had to play away at Aldershot. And Aldershot at the time had just reformed. They'd gone bust and gone all the way down the leagues and ended up in, in, in the league we were in. And uh, they were stonking in the league, winning every single game. And now they had to play a home game against Bracknell Town, who were bottom of the league. And it was literally our, with Ragtag and Bobtail, a load of pals together. And I'm forever grateful for those guys stepping up and just coming down and, and just answering my plea, if you like. <laughs> and, uh, and we should have won it. We actually should have won it. We threw three all and we should have won it. And in, and in the uh, return leg later in that season, we played them at, at uh, Largest Lane. And it was probably the biggest crowd that's been there for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and uh, we drew that as well. So they still, I didn't beat us that season, which I was immensely proud of. And we went on and we finished kind of mid to mid, mid table and uh, uh, after a disastrous start. And, and, and again, I look back with hugely, huge fond memories. I really enjoyed my time there. It was difficult financially, very, very difficult. But we were living on, on our wits a little bit. I had no income coming in. I was just um, earning a bit of commission on various deals I was doing and trying to make things work, um, trying to get the, the business up and running again, trying to get the club up and running. And, uh, I think looking back now, I've been at Palace, what, 25 years? And looking back now, I think, well, that was really, really a good grounding and a good education working at that level. And you, you do live by your wits. And uh, you know, I look back with huge fondness on, on those times. Uh, so, so the Swindon thing, yeah. uh, that's the question, wasn't it? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the following year, we had pre-season. So I knew, I knew, it was a chap called John Pollard, funny enough. When I was at Norwich as a pro, John was the, um, well, John was the assistant club secretary at uh, Norwich. He went on to be the club secretary at Swindon. Right, okay. And I knew John there. So I rang him up and I just, look, this is what we're doing. I need, we need to earn some money. Can you bring a team down? And um, he came back to me and said, yeah, come on, we'll do it. We've got, we've got the game away. So that, that's the reason it's thanks to John Pollard. You're involved in... Oh, well, uh, there we go. <laughs> in, uh, in football, yeah. And, and ironically, when I, when I eventually did leave Bracknell, I went on to, to work for Swindon. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure if... Uh, I, I, now, the team that's on the back of the programme, I can't for the life of me remember if that was the team that, was, that, that turned up and was put out. But um, I was just saying this to Rob last night. What was interesting about that Swindon team is that um, in goal was Nicky Hammond, who went on to have a similar sort of successful career in administration as you. And, you know, arguably brought together the, the best Reading team the Reading, the best Reading FC team there's ever been that, that reached the Premier League. Did in in terms of him, and I suppose this is a question about him rather than you, but it seems, it strikes me as a slight coincidence that there'd be two of you, sort of in in that same at that same period of time in 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 similar, well not not similar circumstances, but just did you did you know him at the time? Was that yeah, something that you was, saw? Nick was the reserve goalie at um, yes. Swindon, and um, I didn't I wouldn't say I knew him particularly well. I knew sort of say hello to, and then we worked together and. Um, but a, a pass didn't cross that much, but certainly he was there. And obviously I've kept in touch with him ever since. 
and that Reading team you, you, you spoke about was uh, was also the manager, Steve Koppel, who obviously who I've also got to know yeah. immensely well over the years through his time at Palace. So you know, all these things are sort of interwoven and, um, um, <laughs> and probably meant to be. But but yeah, but Nick's done a fantastic job. I think he's up in Scotland now. But um, yeah, he was at Reading and West Brom and a few other places. So he's, um, he's a good lad, Nick. Well, your answer to that last question has comprehensively gone through pretty much everything I wanted to speak to you about today. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to go back and, uh, yeah, I guess um, the things I I wanted to talk to you about uh, were sort of the the start of your career and how you um, uh, came to be at Wokingham, which you um, uh, explained in in great detail. But uh, what memories do you have at that time when you uh, first started? Mid-80s. We had had a great team, great team together. Um, in fact, the, probably our biggest successful time was when we were we played in the FA Trophy. We got to the semi-final of the FA Trophy, actually, which was, we were one step away from Wembley. Um, and we had a very, very good team. Roy Merriweather was the manager. Um, and a lot of good players in that team that went on to play pro. Gary Smart, Mark Harris. Um, and, and not just to name but two, but, some, but not just good players. They were great people. They were really good times. Um, that, that, that I look back in my career and say, well, that was, that was a wonderful period. So it's kind of late, late 80s. And Wokingham was actually a, a decent, you know, a decent non-league club. Well, we probably should have got in the conference that season. But because we, because we spent so long in the trophy and, and missed so many games, we ended up at the season having to play literally three games a week for the last three or four weeks of the season. And we just basically got burnt out. And we missed out by a point. Yeah to Slough, who, who went up that year. But we should have gone up. The club, the team was certainly good enough, some, some great players. Um, and uh, it was, in, 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 my, in my sort of playing days, it's probably one of the happiest times of my, of my career. Some, some of those players you played with, I, I wanted to just ask about, because there, there's some, there's, there were some huge names, as you, as you mentioned, in that, um, in that Wokenham team. And then also, there, you know, there's some, some household names in that, in that Bracknell team as well that you, that you, that you managed. But who, so who were, you, who, were you, who were you mates with? Who, who were you close to? And, and what, were they, what were some of those, those guys like? I think some of the lads that, that came across and played for me at, um, um, at Bracknell, there was obviously Purse, Bobby Purser. Mm who played many, many games for, um, for Brock Wokenham at left-back, and he came, he came across and played at Wokenham. If, if I remember rightly, was he, no, uh, yeah, was he the chap that used to bang his studs on the post? Uh, probably. probably. <laughs> um, yeah, he was, he, he, he was a good, and he was, is still a good lad, Bob. Very good. Um, Tony Carter played centre-half mm-hmm. with me. He, uh, he came across and played some time at Bracknell. Andy Ritchie, who I knew um, as a coach, funny enough, he, he was a coach at Palace um, as, a, as, um, as a, in their academy at the time. Um, I knew him from Wokingham, but it, and he came to played some games over at, uh, over at, Woke, at uh, Bracknell. And then and Nicky, of course, Nicky Collier played some games uh, at uh, Bracknell as well, Wokingham. Um, you know, there's some, some, some really good, really good players. Uh, but back in the Wokingham team, trying to think, obviously I've mentioned Smarty, I've mentioned um, Mark Harris, uh, David Pierce up front. Um, you know, David Cox, captain, central midfield, Brian Broom. Bro- actually, Brian played um, both at Wokingham and Bracknell for me, and mm. then he went off to play for Aldershot as well. So, Brian's uh, uh, and, um, and his brother Paul are still very good friends of mine. So, you know, they're, they're, they're some, um, I'm probably missing one or two out and doing them, doing them injustice, but um, it, just, it was just a really good time in my life. Really good, good set of guys, good, good people. Um, loved, enjoyed themselves, had a good drink, a few nights <laughs> out. Um, but it was it was a great time, really good. 
that's um, that's obviously something that, that's changed in the game since since you kind of played that sort of that drinking culture. Is it is it does that make it in the, in sort of working in a in a modern football club? Does that is that something that still sort of happens, or is, is drinking is not a culture? I guess in in, a, in modern football, and, and it doesn't seem to be in non-league football. Do you do you think that do you think that's a shame, or is it is it is it we're glad it's gone? I, I'm just um, in a, in a perspective of someone that's been involved with both. Yeah, I mean, the football now is is um, is is very very big business. The players really take care of themselves. You know, um, health and fitness diet is 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 huge as part of their daily routines and. Certainly, going out and having a few beers isn't isn't certainly on their agenda, and um, it's something that the players the players just do naturally now. They don't have to think twice about it. When I was at Norwich, uh, even at Norwich, there was um, you know spending an afternoon in the pub was was fairly regular exercise. Uh, at, Woke, at Wokingham, certainly was um, not necessarily the day before a game, but certainly after the game, and it was it was part of the part of the culture of and what, what we did. Um, you know, we, we worked hard and played hard, and and. Uh, is it a worse off place? I don't know. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure, really. Um, I, I certainly enjoyed it when we did it, um, probably for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> but uh, it was it was just part of what we did, to be honest with you. You know, we had a drink on a, on a Thursday after training. We had a drink after the game on a Saturday. Uh, and we enjoyed each other's company immensely. And that was just part of what we did, I suppose. Well, you mentioned there, again, about uh, the Norwich. That's quite a big jump. I know Wokingham were a, a very good side in the in non-league level, but there was a, it was a pretty massive jump to go from Wokingham to Norwich. Um, what um, what greeted you there? I mean, were you... Uh, uh, how did you not become overawed with the situation? Or And uh, how did, like... How did the actual transfer happen, considering, you know, the gap in the leagues between the uh, two teams? Yeah, well, I was, I was fortunate to play for England schoolboys, as I mentioned earlier. So that was, yeah. that was that was good. That was a really good experience. Uh, I played a half a dozen times for England um, at international level. Uh, I played for Berkshire schools as well in the 19s. We actually won the uh, won the national tournament when we were and, uh, as a team that way back then. Um, and that's a, so we had a little bit of success. I mean, the getting getting to Norwich, I played probably about four or five trial games after that time when I played for England. Um, for, for Norwich reserves uh, before they actually made a decision so it was kind of eased into it but, but going, go, I always wanted to be professional playing football was my life I'd, you know, I'd done it ever since I could, could walk basically and uh, to play professional for Norwich was fantastic I was, it was it was um, you know it was, wasn't the most successful part of my career because obviously I didn't, didn't go on and play many first team games which is regretful but you know things, things things shaped up differently for me and I managed to get involved in, in professional sport in a different way but so and I, I'm still now in sort of back end of my career so I'm blessed with still being involved and it, I look back at it now and it actually was a really useful experience being a player in professional sport and being where I am now I, I can understand a lot of the culture and the way it works and, and the dynamics within the training ground etc etc so it's, 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 it's all helped it's all helped where I am now. Mm-hmm. You said there about um, wanting to be a professional footballer, but leaving Norwich and going to New Zealand to play part-time. I mean, like you say, you had a couple of um, other offers. What was it about the New Zealand and uh, the team over there that really stood out and made you want to uh, embark on that adventure? Well, it was exactly that. It was an adventure. So it was around the March. So, so the contract ran out in June and the manager said, look, we're not going to renew it, unfortunately. You can go and trial a couple of other places, but uh, this club over here, they're playing now. Their season's playing now. Everyone else's seasons were finishing, of course. Mm. They're play- they just started their season uh, and they want you to play. And, and uh, the, the, 
the the, the guy who owned the club um, uh, rang me up and said, look, you know, we, we've taken a couple of pros before. Um, one from Norwich, John Fashioner was one, and um, Peter Mendon was another, on the, yeah. import players, if you like. Uh, and I said, yeah, I'll give it a go. So these were the, the tickets were in the post tomorrow. And we, they paid me a bit of money to go over there, which is great. Took care of the flights and accommodation and everything. And I just thought, you know, why not? Why not? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lovely country. See another part of the world. Give it a go. So that that was really why I did it, and uh, I, I enjoyed it. But that, so I went over in the March, came back probably October, uh, and played another full season there for Wokingham again before I went back the following March. Um, for a couple of years, so it was it was uh, an interesting. So I had about three or four winters on the bounce, which was um, not my best of scenarios. But New Zealand's a beautiful country, and uh, I went back actually for the for the reunion only only about five or six years ago, and lots of the guys there I saw. It was great, really good. Wow. So um, did you? So you must have had a, a hand in uh, Justin Day going over there as well. Was it Miramar Rangers? Yeah, same club, same club. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So um, they they were looking for. They were, they were always asking me when I was over here. <laughs> back, you know, have you anyone want to go over? I always thought Justin was a great player. Well, still, you know, he's a great guy and was was a good player at, uh, at Bracknell. And I always felt he could have gone higher. In fact, I got him. Um, I got him over at, um, at Palace my very early days to play a reserve game for Palace because um, I said to the guys, you should be looking at this guy. He did really well in the reserve game, actually. And funny enough, it was against Chelsea. And uh, I mean, Justin was, Justin was pinching himself because I think it was, he, he was a Chelsea fan anyway. And uh, I think I remember that. So I think he might have played against Ruud Hullett in that game, actually. So he, he was, um, if you ever talk to Justin, he'll, he'll probably have better memories of the game than I have. But yes, I had a, a, a hand in getting him over and he did really well over in Miramar. And I, I wanted to just talk about you as a player, Phil. What, what were you like? Because it, it sounds like you were quite good. And, and sometimes we, we get people on here and so I wasn't much of a player. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, they're into, they've moved into management. They've moved into that admin. But, but it strikes me that, that you, you, were, you were a bit of a player. You know, what, so what were you like? You were centre-back? Centre-half, yeah, centre-half. Um, I, could, I, could, uh, I was not bad in the air. I could kick it. I, I could pass it. Um, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was all right. I and mean, I was, I was obviously, obviously got to a professional level. So you can't yeah, be yeah, yeah. bad really, but clearly not good enough at the end of it, which was, a, which was really sad. Um, really sad. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, I, I look back with, with really fond memories of all the, all the clubs and different teams I played for at the time. And it's all served me well now. It's it's a it's a strange one because Rob and I watch an awful lot of lower league football and and, and Rob and I will be told oh what are you watching that rubbish for you know anyone could play that but uh, personally my my opinion anyone that's playing football on a Saturday or even like organised football on a Sunday morning no no one I, no one is 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 rubbish there's just different levels of of of, of goodness so the fact that you you got up there all the way to Norwich at, and and played professionally I think is is a dream an awful lot of people had and I I guess. In in terms of kind of where where I'm where I was going kind of going with this was, did you keep an eye on players from from this sort of area? Are there players you've you've seen recently that you think they could they could step up in a way that that maybe Justin you felt Justin could? Personally, I don't. No, I don't watch many games. If I'm yeah. honest with you, um, but if you're asking about do do Crystal Palace as a senior club look at all levels? Yes, yeah. absolutely. They've got a whole bunch of scouts. Um, in fact. One of the chaps working for us, or recently has been, is a chap called Terry Brown, who you might know. Yeah. Terry was Terry was a teammate of mine, and subsequently went on to be coach at Wokingham, uh, a really, really top top bloke. Yeah. He, he actually lives in Wokingham now, 
and uh, Terry does a bit of scouting for us because he knows the non-league scene very well, having gone yeah. through a lot of success with Aldershot and Wimbledon. Um, so y- yes, we do scout. We do scout at all levels, um, but it's a big, it's a big jump, you, you know, for, for someone going from non-league to, yeah. to Premier League. But there, you know, there are people out there, and I think if you if you got people listening to this who aspire to play professional football, all I would say, look, you know, just keep doing the right things and just keep working hard because you never know who's watching. <laughs> Yeah, before we get off your playing career, um, I just wanted to ask, who is your? Is there anyone in particular you could single out as a uh, centre-back partner that you enjoyed uh, playing with over the years, either from Wokingham that we, you know, might have a link to, or maybe someone further up the leagues that you, uh, you know, can uh, um, for us? Well, not, I mean, at Wokingham definitely. There was two. I mean, speaking to Mark Harris, um, who went on fine enough. He actually went on to play for Palace. Uh, he was signed by Palace as pro. Oh right, from, from Wokingham. Um, and um, and Tony Carter, who I mentioned earlier as well, and Tony did a did a great job, um, and he came across to play for Bracknell for me as well for a little while as well. So we had a good relationship, and you know, uh, yes, you, you, as a centre half pairing, it's always an, an odd one in a team environment, but you got to know where each other's strengths and weaknesses are, and, and cover for each other, and you know, you're just basically there to stop people, you know, doing scoring goals, and, and uh, not always the most positive of things to do, but. Um, we, we, both those two guys were, were great, a real joy to play with. Lovely. Right. Well, I, I, yeah, I guess, you know, we're sort of going through your career like this and uh, we're almost back at uh, where we are now. Uh, I believe you're the longest standing CEO in the Football League at the moment. Is that correct? I'm not sure about the Football League, but certainly the Premiership. Um, but uh, yeah, 25 years next year, believe it or not, at Palace. Um, wow. It's been, it's been, a, it's been a, an incredible journey. And the last, since 2010, so, it's, so the, the, the latest set of owners have been involved since 2010. We were in administration in 2010, so that was a big time um, for the club. And to spend the last sort of seven years in the Premier League has been an absolute dream. And the club's in a, in, a, in a very, very good position, good set of owners, some fantastic ambition, um, and enjoying playing at the, you know, at the top table of football, really, and the, the biggest league in the world, and it's just it's just a joy being part of that, um, mingling with all the right people, with all the clubs on a, on a regular basis. At the and you know, as, as part of that, also I get um, I get to represent the Premier League at the FA as well, which is nice. I've now got a role there at the professional on the professional game board. Um, seven reps from the Premier League go on the FA Council. Then they choose three of those rep, or those seven to go on the PGB, and I'm one of those three. So that's an absolute honour, and I enjoy the work with the FA and understand how that works, and because that's you know for the good of the whole game, not just about professional football as well. So yeah, and enjoy working mingling in those circles. Got some good contacts now across the whole of the world of football, and um, you know I, I really enjoy my day-to-day existence. Mm-hmm. Oh, on, Rob. I was going to say, um, so what um, would you normally be doing this time of year? And I mean, like, would it be things like organising transfers and, uh, you know, getting Palace ready for the start of a a football season? And, you know, how are those duties being handled now that obviously we're in a... uh, quite a, a strange situation of having the league sort of postponed as it is well yes June's kind of like the, the, the quietest month of them all really obviously no games there's no players at training they're all off uh, but normally we'd be preparing for the following season pre-season friendlies we had a tour all lined up in July we were going across to Australia we were playing West Ham West Ham over in Australia so that's that was obviously all fell apart a couple of months ago 
Um, hopefully we'll get that away next year, which will be great. Um, but really it's preparing for the new year. And I work very closely with the sporting director, Dougie Friedman, who does the majority of the scouting, is responsible for the scouting and uh, pulling the deals together. Um, he's got the benefit of my knowledge if I need to, if he wants me to get involved. And I do on the occasional deal, um, but he does the majority of that now. But making sure that the business is ready, ready for the forthcoming year. Um, and just, just going through a normal annual cycle, really, which is quite a well-trodden path now. Um, Phil, I guess just 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 as we sort of wrap up, um, you mentioned kind of obviously you know being involved with the FA and, and things like that. I think there there's certainly at the moment it feels just as as people who who follow predominantly the non-league game, it feels like there's a bit of a disconnect between kind of the FA and the, and and the non-league game. I, I guess is, is do you are you aware? Is it something that that kind of uh, are you aware of like the, the non-league game and do, do you follow it or or is it sort of is it, is it do you feel like it's more of a uh, I don't want to say bubble that feels like the wrong word but do you, do you think that there's enough focus on the non-league game? Um, it's interesting personally I do I mean I'll keep an eye on it I mean there's you know, the, the, the FA split between the, the national game and, and, the, and mm. the professional game professional game really responsible for Premier League down to What's that? Step five, um, which is uh, step four, sorry, which is League Two. Then you've got step five down to about eight, which is a national league and below that. Um, and yes, I do keep an eye on it. I do keep an eye on the um, on what's going on. Um, a few friends are involved in at uh, non-league level. Um, in fact, one of one of the big Palace fans I know, Gary Hillman, he's the chairman of Cray Wanderers. Um, and we and obviously Bromley are on our doorstep down there as well. We stay in touch with Bromley, um, Dulwich Hamlet. Um, and um, you know, there's one or two other clubs around there that we we do we do you know engage with from time to time and help out wherever we can. So yes, I do keep an eye on it. Um, is there a big disconnect? I, I don't really I don't really know to be honest with you. I'm, I don't get involved on a day to day basis, yeah. but I certainly watch it and I follow it. I look at the results. Um, so you certainly follow where Woking and Woking are doing, and, and sort of generally keep an eye on what Bracknell's results. Um, and um, you know, I, I, I enjoy it. I think that's where I come from. It's my roots. And I think, you know, working at Bracknell as I did all those times, it was it was a real good um, good experience and a, and a good learning curve to go through. And I look sometimes look at some of the staff that I have at, at Premier League level, and I just think, well, maybe they could do with a couple of couple of years at a Bracknell Town or a, a mm. non-league club just to sort of hone your skills really, because I think it's a real a real eye-opener and what you have to do to get things moving and not have everything on a on a plate sometimes as, as, as some people do but um, I personally look back and with, with a huge amount of fondness and relish of those times at Wokingham and indeed at Bracknell um, and um, you know it's, it's, it's just lovely really today talking about it. Um, I just wanted to ask you just one more question about um, that sort of Wokingham and Bracknell at the time I think that there was quite a big gap in divisions between the two teams but did you get there, there was always a little bit of a rivalry as well did you, did you get a bit of grief for going to Bracknell? Um, not really I think Bracknell Wokingham was always seen as the senior club to Bracknell mm. Bracknell was, was sort of I don't know four or five le- yeah. levels down from, from Wokingham um, and at the time there was a lot going on at Wokingham and no, I didn't actually. I think I was people look at me as if I was a bit mad, to be honest with you. <laughs> were were really struggling, really struggling at the time, and um, you know they've, they've got brand new pitch up there, and it looks a lot, it looks 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 very good. And you know, I think the clubs clubs coming a lot since then. But um, you know, it was 
if I didn't have those people around so I could call upon it, it would have been very, very difficult, really. And we, it was it was just a, a call to arms. Come on, guys, let's have a bit of a laugh. Let's pull the team together. And we pulled a lot of people from friends of friends. We got a team together eventually. And we did some great things. And it was great fun and really enjoyed it. Lovely. Rob, did you have anything else you wanted to... Um, no, I think like your comprehensive <laughs> answer to uh, the, the first or second <laughs> question basically wiped out all the questions I had coming. So, That's yeah. all right. That's Thank all right. you very much, though. <laughs> so no, we really, really enjoyed it, guys. Really good fun. I've been listening with interest. Excellent. We, we really do appreciate your time, Phil. Um, we do have one question we just asked, although we're, we feel like we're coming to the end of lockdown a little bit at the moment. Um, but we, are, we do ask everybody, uh, we've asked everybody this question. So do you have a, a TV series or a box set that you've been watching that you'd recommend to, to our listeners? Oh, um, well, we just got to the end of Money Heist. And that was really interesting. Um, uh, I quite enjoyed that. And um, just watching the Jeffrey Epstein thing, which has been hugely interesting. Um, and what else did I watch? White Lines was the other one I watched. All of those were great, great fun, really good. Um, and it does just sort of help, help some, sometimes got, when you've got a few loose hours in the evening. Yeah, but, uh, but, we, but, yeah, but Money Heist, definitely. That was, um, that's definitely worth hanging in there and a good watch. That's great fun. <laughs> looking forward, there's a new series coming out, I think, this summer. So I'm, look, I'm looking forward to that. I suspect your free time is about to, uh, just about to completely <laughs> disappear. So... Um, we'll let you get on Um, that was the Berkshire Football Stories podcast pub but not in a pub chat with Crystal Palace CEO Phil Alexander you can see more in this series by searching Berkshire Football Stories on your favourite podcast app please subscribe for all the latest and if you have a minute please give us a rating and a review Um, all that's left to say is that it's goodbye from me Tom it's goodbye from Rob bye and it's goodbye from Phil goodbye enjoyed it